Lord, we know that you wrote this book and we know that your Holy Spirit guided that. So God, we ask that the author, your spirit, would just guide our hearts, our minds, Lord, and help us to hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, some of you might have looked at this and saw necessary endings, but I don't know if I like that. I just kind of like how things are going. I like the status quo. And when it comes to our life, the personal part of us, uh, a lot of times we do feel that. Or if we feel like struggles and we're like, oh, we want to change. We don't know if we have the courage or the power to do so. But when we look at God's word, and we're going to be in a lot of parts of God's word today, we see that God encourages change all the time. So strap it in. Get ready, because we're going to be all over the Bible today. Most of it's printed out for you, but if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that will be a portion that will uh, help you that's not printed in here. Now, if you think about changes, we're, we're more open and actually encourage change when it comes to other people. We're all about giving our opinion on change. Think about it. Today's the Super Bowl, and our Cowboys are not in it. So after 10 years, we're like, hey, we need... A necessary ending. And we got a new coach. And some of you think, well, we also need a new general manager. But I think with finances, it's going to stay who it is with Jerry. Because he's the man. That's more lighthearted. But you think about change. And I got to tell you, when I was praying about this and thinking about the title, I thought, you know what? There's, there's an illustration from my life growing up that just, just plays this out wonderfully. I want to introduce you to my dad. This is a picture. You can see how old uh, the picture is because check out that cool computer over there. Two things about that. I wish it was an Apple. I wish it was a Mac and we still had it. So that'd be like lots of dollars, right? Anyway, that's one of those old computers, floppy disk, you name it. My dad started a company called P&P Press. But I got to tell you how that happened. Uh, he was orphaned as a child. Dad died at five, mom at nine. He was raised by an alcoholic aunt. And uh, he really didn't have a good, uh, you know, base to jump from. <laughs> he didn't have the push of, you know, people taking him to tell you, hey, you got to go to school, go to church, things like that. So at 14, he started working at a chicken joint. A little bit later, he started full-time working at a printing company. And so he's going to school, working full-time at a printing company. He started off as a jogger at the end of, like, the newsprint press. So sitting there jogging, you know, stacking in bundles, you name it. He worked his way up by the age of 29 to be production manager of the company. And when he was 29, he was having a meeting with the owner of the company. And his dad would tell it, he was super excited, thinking, okay, I'm production manager. The, the owner's going to meet with me. He's going to say how good I'm doing. And I'm going to you know, ascend maybe to vice president. And so the meeting was going well. He had a very good things to say about my dad. But then he looked at me and says, you know what? Since you don't have a college education, you will never be above a production manager in this company. So dad thought, well, you know, you don't make a lot of money as a printer. I don't have the money. There wasn't this online college stuff that was a little bit you know, less expensive. And so he thought, what am I going to do? So I'm nine years old. He has two kids, a wife. I'm getting ready to go to a private school soon, become a Lutheran. And he decides, I'm going to start my own company. So he talks to mom, and they decide to double mortgage the house. He flies to Florida rents a semi, drives the semi back with this old Heidelberg press. And it's, he's so excited about this. He pulls up, I remember coming from school, pulls up this big old truck in front of our driveway, in front of our house. He goes to get my mom. He's 
you know, super excited, rushes her out, opens the back of the truck, and it's just a pile of pieces, and my mom starts bawling. She's like, you spent our money on this? And he gave him two weeks with his friends, two weeks, and he had a press that looked similar like this. Had it all put together. This is our third press. When he passed away, we had Heidelberg plus two of these presses in there, and he employed 52 people. And that was in 2001 when he went to see Jesus. And I thought, what an amazing, necessary ending. A lot of fear around there, a lot of unknowns, but, you know, moved by the Lord thinking, you know what, I need to do something different. And yes, there were a lot of blessings from that uh, in my childhood, a lot of blessings that came from that, a lot of hard work and, and uh, many, many, many hours and lots of headaches and stresses that I think probably, you know, worked a lot on his heart. But what I love about this necessary ending that he did was he was able to help 52 families with employment just at that time, and plus the many more that we employed throughout the year or throughout the years, right? And here's the truth, that necessary endings will bring new beginnings. Necessary endings will bring new beginnings, and most of the time, these beginnings are unknown, but they turn out to be really good. So today what we're going to talk about is is where is God maybe calling you or pulling you to say, I think I need a necessary ending here and to start a new beginning. It might be in a toxic relationship you're in. You might have been dealing with this relationship for a long time at home, work, you name it, and you're like, you know what? I need to set some boundaries in this relationship. And if it's a, maybe if it's outside my family, I need to actually cut this relationship off, but I don't know if I have the courage to do it. Necessary ending. Or maybe it's your career. You're like, you know what? I've really just not found joy. This is stressful. I know there's other things out there, but I just don't, I can't make that step. A necessary ending. Or maybe it's with kids. They're like, you're like, you know what? I know you're, uh, you're educated and you're ready to go, but uh, it's time to end this part and move on to something else. Or maybe it's addictions. We call these hurts, habits, or hang-ups. You have something you like, you know you should stop looking, you know you should stop doing it, you know you should stop taking that, you should stop whatever. And this might be the day, this might be the month that the necessary ending is going to happen. God will help you with that. He will. We're going to spend a month looking at God's word on these endings and new beginnings. Now, I need, just need to, to pause and give a, a public service announcement. There are a couple things that God, in his word, does not call us to end. And one of those is marriage. Okay, when they come to Jesus, he has a very small little, little item of what would constitute an end of a marriage. And so if you're sitting here today thinking, I love this message. I'll get the leap. Pastor told me I can do this. See ya. That is not what God says, and that's not what we're saying either. Okay? And the other one's a little bit more lighthearted. It's called parenting. My boy's 18, and my wife, we're like we're so excited, thinking, oh, he's, he's leaving. When I tell anybody that that has kids in college or beyond, they're like, oh, it never stops. It's just a different way to parent. Like, oh, okay, well, uh, there you go. So there's some things that don't, but almost everything else has a natural ending. And we sometimes fear that. But, but God, God has good news for our endings. In fact, let's start with Jesus. Let's just go to our Savior first. Here's what Jesus says in John chapter 12. He says this, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only 
a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This is Jesus basically describing his life and what he wants to give to you. Think about it. He had all of these necessary endings so that new life and new beginnings could start, new seeds, if you will. He decided it's, it's time to end the time in heaven to come down to be a baby. It's time to end being a baby and actually make myself known in, in Luke chapter 2 as a 12-year-old that I'm going to be teaching in the synagogue. It's time at age 30 to actually do a new beginning, and I'm not going to have a private life anymore. I'm going to do public ministry for three years. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, Thursday, right before he was betrayed and went to the cross that night, Remember what Jesus, he was struggling. He's like, ah, I don't know, Lord. He's like, if you can do this any other way, if you can take this cup from me, he's like, not, not, not my will, but your will. And he willingly had a necessary ending of all endings when he went to the cross. And you know what he did there? He made the most beautiful beginning you could ever imagine. When he rose from, rose from that grave, he gave you hope. He gave you a new beginning, a new start on a daily basis. When you're baptized, you can go remember your baptism. And, you know, he just, he restarts you every day. You can restart during the middle of the day. Say, Lord, just please forgive me. I need to end this. I need a new start. That's what Jesus is talking about. New, new beginnings from, from ends. So here's a question. How do I start with the end in mind? How do I start if I need to start somewhere and realize, okay, there might need to be an end that I need to make right here, a necessary ending. And then when a new beginning starts, how do I then start with that end or the goal in mind, right? Because everything has an end. And so in the, in the life stage of whatever new thing I'm going to, do I start and think about what the end looks like? Do I have goals? Do I have visions? That's really one of the main things we're going to be looking at the next four weeks. How do I do this in a godly way if I have to have an ending? Because here's the problem. If we fail to end well, we will continue to repeat our mistakes. You know, if you, don't, if you end a relationship and you don't go through counseling and you have a proper way of ending that and you don't get the help and the healing you need, you will just repeat that in the next relationship. Just change the person's name and then the same thing's going to happen. If you have a job where it just wasn't going well and you don't get some help afterwards and say, I want to have a proper ending so I can begin well, the same, it's just going to follow you. Same thing with addictions. If you don't get it done, see, we need to have good endings and be able to, to say, how do I end well? And then how do I look for the end as a goal in mind? You get that? One way to do it is this, is to remember, when you think about beginnings and ends, remember that God works within seasons. God works within seasons. This is a very good thing. This is a very good thing. This is where we get to Ecclesiastes. And some of you, when you were hearing that reading, when Bill was reading that, you were thinking, man, I want to hear that song from the birds. Turn, turn, there is a season, turn, turn. And why not? We had an astronaut last week, so why wouldn't we have the birds up here this week? Well, because two of them are in heaven and there's only two left and it probably cost too much. Anyway, um, you think about that song, it's not from 1965. It actually is from 900 B.C., that's when that song was written. It was written in Ecclesiastes by a guy named Solomon. If you don't know, Solomon was the third king of Israel. He was a little boy when he became king. He had a dream, the Bible tells us. And in the dream, God said, hey, 
Ask me whatever you want. And instead of asking for all the riches, which he ended up having, instead of asking for all the good life, which he ended up having for a while, he asked for wisdom. And God was so pleased. God was so pleased that he just poured abundant wisdom on him. In fact, he wrote a good portions of our wisdom literature, like Proverbs. It says that he had over 3,000 Proverbs that he would share with people. There would be kings and queens from all the known lands at that time that would come just to sit at his feet, ask him questions, and learn. And praise God that we have this book straight from him that we can actually learn too, God-inspired. And so what does he say in Ecclesiastes chapter 3? I want to read this to you one more time. He says, there is a time for everything, and what a season for every activity under the heavens. Time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep and laugh, a time to mourn and to dance. Yes, we can dance. We're Lutheran. A time to scatter stones, a time to gather, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, a time to give up, a time to keep, throw away, a time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be silent. Time to speak, time to love, to hate, time for war and peace. You know what he's saying there is everything has its proper season and its proper boundaries. And there's sometimes you end something and you start something else. And God works within seasons. So here's four parts of God's seasons that will really help you as you launch and think about what God is doing. Try to figure out this great big God and, and who I am. How, what is he doing in my life? The first one is this, is we got to remember that seasons are God's doings. Seasons are God's doings. Not ours, but they're God's. He's the one that has the idea for a season and will make things pop up and go down. And it is our job then to get in sync with that. It is our job to say, not my will, but thy will be done. How can you sync my will with your will, God, so that your will becomes my will? Like if Jesus says, ask anything in my name and it will be done. People always say, I, I use the name of Jesus. How come I didn't get this lottery? When you ask in the name of Jesus, what he means by that is you are asking synced with what his heart is and his desire is. So you cover it like, God, I want what you want in the name of Jesus. That's his season, not my season. There's another guy in the Old Testament we're going to look at just for a second here. His name is Daniel. And Daniel was a cool, cool guy. He was one of the smart and wise ones, a young man, about 17 years old, when Jerusalem got sacked by Babylon. They came in and they sacked it and they took all these prisoners, killed a lot of people. Usually they take about 10% and they took like the wisest and smartest and Daniel was one of them. And he gets into the service of King Nebuchadnezzar that Babylon is, you know, taken over. He lives about a total of about 80 years. All of this in captivity. So he serves Babylonians, he serves the, uh, the Medo Persians under Cyrus. And listen to this wise young man, what he says early on in, in Daniel chapter 2. Listen to what Daniel says. He says, during the, night, or during the night, a mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said this. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Why? Because wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. And what's that look like? He disposes kings. He raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Did you catch what is going on there? 
Daniel realizes even though his family has been sacked, even though he would love to be in Jerusalem eating kosher hot dogs, even though he would love to still be at the temple, instead God's like, no, this season is over. And we're going to allow Babylon to rush in. And in this season, Daniel, you had a necessary ending and a new beginning served well, and he did. He served and he said, you know what? But I'm still going to be faithful to my God. I'm going to do what my God says. And then that whole, that whole dog and pony show is over. And then Cyrus comes in, another, another king, and, and Daniel sees this big picture here. He says that these seasons, they're God's doing. What seasons are going on in your life that are God's doing right now? Pretty much all. And there are some, some things that you're probably thinking right now, I need to make sure that, that this is a necessary ending. I need to stop thinking this way. I need to stop doing that. I need to stop hanging with this person. I need to stop making those type of decisions. And you know what? This is all piling on. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm so overwhelmed by this. Remember, it's not your season, it's God's seasons. So if you want the power to make this happen, it's not from you. It doesn't ever come from you. It never comes from us. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And in prayer, we're like, Lord, please guide me just like you did, Daniel. Let me see, not through fear, not through disobedience, not through running skittishly, but to say, Lord, where's your season? What should I do? Because here's what's super cool. God has a purpose for every season. I tell you this often, but I can't say it enough, that you're still breathing today, God has purpose for you. As soon as you're done breathing, he's like, welcome home, good and faithful servant. So God has this purpose, and you got to know that even though the season may be, uh, and you don't want to really finish like this, God may be like, it's a necessary ending, we're going to do a new beginning. Where do we get this from? Look at this, right from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, the days, and the years. You see what God's doing there? He just didn't make this all for, for his glory and, and the beauty for you to go, wow, which is a big part of it. But he put all that in place to let you see how orderly he is. He's not a God of chaos. And that he has put these specific motions of physics and, and the dynamics of our, of our world and the sun and our solar system in place to mark different seasons, to let you know that I work through seasons. I have a purpose for all of this, including the seasons in your life. And Jesus, like I said, he played this out over and over, right? He followed those seasons. And he, you know what? He, he was never, ever led by other people's idea of what their season should be. Instead, he followed the will of the Father and how they work it out in a Trinitarian way. He realized, I'm not going to let people push me around. God has a purpose for this season. I'm going to go through it with him. Listen to what he said in John chapter 7. This is where he's home with his brothers. And I got to tell you, his brothers, when he was alive, would have nothing to do with him. And you don't blame him. He's older brother. He says, I'm God. What would you do? You probably try to throw him in a well like the old brothers did back in the day of Joseph. We're done with this guy. And they're always taunting them, pushing them. Well, come on, come do something. This is what happens here during the Feast of Booths. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it, it hates me because I testify that their works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going to the festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. 
You see what Jesus was doing in this season? He realized that he, for whatever reason at this time, had to still stay a little bit more private. He did this a lot when he, when he healed people at times. When Peter confesses that he's the Christ, he says, okay, uh, but don't say anything yet, for my time has not yet come. It's not really coming. But there was a time when the end of secrecy was done and the publicity started. And he was out there sharing it with everybody. See, God has a very specific purpose for each season that you're in. The hard part of it, though, is that every season also has a struggle. And I don't really need to tell you this, but we need, we need to hit upon it. Can you imagine a season without a struggle? Okay, Lord, this year, there's going to be no medical bills. The kids are not going to act a fool. And my boss is going to be just wonderful. I'm going to love everything I do, right? That's just three things. And that never happens, not even for a week, let alone the year, right? Struggles occur. And this is one of the things I struggle with because I'm looking for peace and just like, okay, everything needs to be just all right. But you know what I learned when I'm around loved ones and stuff? I learned that these struggles, this is very biblical, they help deepen our roots, our faith in, in God, even though we don't understand him. And seeing he's getting us through these struggles and these seasons. And so while I want it to end right now, God may say, okay, it's going to end, but it's not going to be till then. And then I got a wonderful new beginning. And when I get in that new season or the new beginnings, I can look back and say, you know what? I'm going to have a struggle here again, but I know you were faithful, God. You're going to be faithful today. I saw you being faithful. Or you can see someone else going through cancer or someone else going through whatever they're going through. And you can say, you know what? I experienced that and I just don't feel it, but I know that God sees us through that. If you've been around this earth long enough, you know what I'm talking about. You've gone through struggle and you've seen God just bring you through it over and over because he is faithful. And the final one is, or let me just jump on Galatians 6 again. I know we went over it earlier, but it says this. Let us not become weary, right, in doing good when we're struggling. For the proper time, we will, not just maybe, but we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's God's promise in the midst of a struggling season. And finally, this, every season comes to an end. Every season comes to an end. Think about all of us here, unless Jesus comes back or our name is Elijah, we're going to die. And, and physically, we're going to be no more until Jesus comes back, raises us, all that stuff. Everything has a beginning and an end, and yet we fear it so much, whatever that end is. And sometimes we know the ending has to come, but we still fear that too. But every, every season comes to an end. Let me help you feel a little bit more comfortable with this. I don't know if you've noticed, but like on Netflix, Amazon Prime, all these different, you know, a &E, you name it, there seems to be this like real big uh, people being enamored with movies that happened like a thousand years ago up to like 400 years ago. Like lots of royalty movies, European, Vikings, you name it, you know. If you happen to watch any of these in that time period, you know what they have over and over, like just bowls of them everywhere? Apples. Apples. You watched it. You could watch some of these things, you know, like Victoria, the crown stuff. They're always like eating apples, maybe some carrots now and then, but maybe it's because they're easy they're, to have around, you know, they're not as hard as oranges, you got to peel. But check this out. I did some research on this. Apples were used back in the day to help people's breath smell better. They're supposedly to neutralize your breath. So some of the, like the rich folks, they would have a bowl of apples on each side of their bed and they wake up like, oh, wait a minute, honey. 
Do you like my half a breath? Yeah. Oh, you're so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, can you think? I mean, I don't know if it works. I know none of you have bad breath, so morning breath, so I don't know about that. But uh, you ought to try that sometime and just keep that apple next to the bed. You know, maybe it's a special kind of apple. I don't know. And it's not because they didn't have toothpaste. Well, he's good toothpaste. In fact, if you, if you do the research, you'll find out that the Egyptians, of course, you know, they figured everything out thousands of years ago. They had a kind of a, a tooth cream, if you will. And, but let me just read to you what the ancient Egyptian toothpaste they think was made of. Tell me if you want to use this. Powdered ashes from oxen hoofs. That's nasty. Myrrh, eggshells, pumice, and water. I'm glad they put the water in there to help just scrape all the rest of the enamel off my teeth, right? And it doesn't get any much better over the thousands of years. Even up till the early 1800s, they were putting soap in toothpaste. Now, you're not going to only need a dentist, but you need a gastroenterologist as well. I mean, that's bad news. You get soap in your toothpaste. Praise the Lord for 1873. Colgate. How many of you love Colgate? Of course, you love toothpaste, just modern toothpaste, right? It doesn't matter if it's Colgate, Crest, you name it. But the point is this. Everything comes to an end. There's some things that you're very glad it comes to an end. I would not like to have elders meeting tomorrow night and the only thing we've had in three days is apples instead of toothpaste. We need a big room. Like, let's meet in here. You're over there. Right? I mean, that's like harder to think about it. When you really sit down and think about it, aren't you glad that God does have seasons? Aren't you thankful that, that there are times that uh, do come to an end, even though we may or may not know what's going on or like it? And aren't you thankful that God gives new beginnings? I am. And I think the more you pray about it, think about it, look in God's word and, and, and hear the rest of these messages, you're going to be ready to say, okay, God, here's some questions I have for myself. What season am I in? What season am I in? And is a necessary ending in order for whatever this season is? And what end do you have in mind? After first service, there was a gentleman who said, Pastor, I was going to retire in four to five years, but now I'm going to retire this year. I was like, awesome. I'm glad this message, you know, like, okay, well, that's good with your wife, you know, then that's cool. And I was excited about that. I thought, this is great. And then he said, oh, but then when I retire, we're moving to Iowa. I'm like, no, I like this guy. You know, but you embrace it. And you think about it. Okay, what is God doing? Maybe, maybe he's speaking. Maybe it's the time. Let's figure out what season. Figure out what ending. And to just figure out what does that new end look like after the new beginning. Stick around and check out what God is doing. He's going to do some amazing, amazing things, I know, in each one of your lives.